A big problem with self-help is that it is one-dimensional and two-dimensional at best. Self-help really is focused on externalities for the most part. Like I mentioned in my previous episode, it seems to me as someone who's absorbed thousands of books and recordings and seminars and videos and CDs and YouTube videos on the subject, it seems to me that Perhaps, if you're lucky, 1% of self-help content out there talks about inner success, taking precedent over external success. Interesting chime that just sounded. It sounded like um, an Eckhart Tolle retreat. But in any case, that's why I really enjoy listening to gurus as it were or motivational speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk and Joe Dispenza. Joe Dispenza especially talks almost exclusively about you know your state of mind and neuroscience and and brain waves and you know essentially the key to the whole thing being having a concrete picture of your ideal life. That's really in a in a nutshell um, if you're looking for a simple solution or a simple nugget, that would be it. If you can form a concrete picture of a perfect day in your life, then you're already there. Problem with a person like myself and perhaps yourself, dear listener, is I don't have an ideal picture of of you know an an ideal picture of you know a picture of an ideal me even or ideal life. I mean, I have a vague notion of what I would like to be or, you know, what kinds of virtues I'd like to embody, what kinds of things I'd like to achieve. But I'm not really quite there in terms of having that concrete picture of of who I would like to be, right? And I guess, I mean, from one perspective, I mean, it's probably my own emotional or spiritual immaturity or what have you. I hope I get there one day because the thing does seem to make sense. It's exactly like the famous thinker said, uh, you know, man is what he thinks himself to be all day long. It might have been a Greek philosopher. I'm not sure who said that. Problem with self-help is, though, that it is one-dimensional for the most part, right? I mean, I dare say even Gary Vaynerchuk, as much as I hero-worship him, um, you know, spends a lot of time talking about material success. Although I, I guess no, that's not really the case. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. He talks about things like obviously social media and you know build, do, building a business and and whatnot. But really, it's all predicated around following your passion and and his core beliefs of empathy and gratitude. You know, things like that, right? Empathy, gratitude, and humility are the three cornerstones of Gary's, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, success, according to him, right? And uh, he doesn't really have a flashy lifestyle, and he doesn't talk about materialism, so I take that back wholeheartedly. And, you know, someone like a Wayne Dyer or some of these more spiritual or new age kind of self-help people that seem to have appeared as a, as a response to, you know, the decadent 80s and beyond, where we essentially just got lost in, in materialism, 
and perhaps we're recovering now um, slowly. I guess what I want to say is it, it, it seems obvious that there's more to success than external success beyond you know being healthy you need to be healthy that's a given you need to have enough food it's nice not to have to worry about money you know at least you should have a steady income although once again if you go back to my previous episode if you have faith all of that's taken care of by the way that's what jesus says in the bible right or would it be that god says that in the bible the bible says let's say that you know take take no concern about have no concern about tomorrow have no concern about tomorrow and there's the same there's the same kind of um thinking prevalent in islamic thinking which is that god is the one who provides for you or the universe at large or what have you or at the very least if you believe that you're going to be provided for you will be provided for going back to what brian herosian and amway said which is probably attributable to someone else in life, you don't get what you want. You get what you expect, you know. So, I mean, really, the question becomes how to, how to, how to, how to believe that you expect the best. Or let's say, the question becomes, how do you arrive at a goal, right? So, if you have food and clothes, and your bills are being paid, and you've got shelter and yada yada, and all of these things that ninety nine percent of us think. Uh, living out here in in the West, think nothing of, right? And and I dare say the majority of of middle income people throughout the world think nothing of. You know, driving a car, having a roof over your head, things that actually the majority of our race for the majority of the time that we've been on this planet have struggled to have on a day to day basis, right? So talking about material success, I mean. I'm a very simple person. I like, I, I feel that I have good taste. Most people feel that they have good taste. Most people feel like they're intelligent, you know, uh, and, and I'm the same. I feel like I have good taste, um, but I am very simple. Simplicity, uh, perhaps not minimalism, but simplicity is key. And, and, and certainly I abhor extravagance. So I don't want to talk too much about material success beyond the fact that of course it is a component of success see the key to the thing this is the key to the thing and this is what is not really said in self-help which is another reason it sucks for the most part this concept that i'm going to elaborate on is is overlooked okay i mentioned the verse of the quran in perhaps episode two or three that states that God only changes your situation when you change yourself, when you change what's within you, right? And it's the same thing that's expounded in the law of attraction, which I'll talk about at a later date. Law of attraction, see, the key. So the key to the whole thing, here's why self-help sucks. Self-help gets you to look at the external world. And then you're you're already trapped, right? Because there's always going to be someone more successful than you and you're looking at your upline or you're looking at your boss or you're looking at the partner in your company and you're just a junior partner or now you you own a football franchise and you're looking at the guy who owns a hockey and a football franchise it's never ending you think oh if i if i just get that uh you know 
$150,000 job and I'm just making 120, um, you know, I'll be all set. Anyway, I don't want to go down that path. Um, the problem is that self-help focuses you on external goals without really explaining to you that you need to become a better person, right? Like how many people will just come out and say, do what is right? Do what is good. Be a better person. Be the best you. So your goal should become be being the best you. And so that's that's what I wanted to talk about in this in this segment. You know, I'm going to call it something different. I'm probably going to call it self-help is one-dimensional just because I've been harping on this whole notion of what is success for the last three episodes. And it's like you probably think if you've actually listened this far, you're probably thinking, okay, so that's done, okay? You know, we've really gone into how do you define success? Of course, you need your material needs taken care of, uh, but then ultimately you're looking for a, a state of inner meaning or ultimately bliss, I, I guess, if, you, if you're into like the, the more spiritual side of that question. However, here's a nice, a nice paradigm to think about. Eric Fromm, a, a social thinker and social scientist and a writer and speaker and so forth from the 60s, where a lot of um, self-help and certainly new age theory stems from, Eric Fromm came up with this great little um, kind of, um, once again, conceptualization of what it is to be a human. Here's what it is to be a human, to be, to have, and to do, right? So then now we can look at defining success in, in those three areas, to be, to do, to have. It reminds me of something that my dad, God bless his soul, always says, that mind, body, and spirit, each of them needs food and each of them needs exercise. And as I've mentioned, my dad is one of the most disciplined and one of the most successful people in his own right that I have ever known in my life let's just put it that way humble man came from like a backward town in pakistan and you know is a phd professor has been teaching at western universities for the last 50 years and put all of his kids through you know western higher education by himself and and provided the ultimate lifestyle for myself my mom and my siblings and still is working to this day he's in his 70s in any case, just like mind, body, spirit is is a paradigm of being or of 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 being a human, so Eric Fromm's conceptualization is is very valuable in actually looking at what is it we do. Now, if you're listening to this, it's because these kinds of questions interest you, and I'm so appreciative of of you tuning in and giving this podcast the time of day. I'd appreciate it if you could you know, click on like or follow or something or follow the RSS feed. I'm doing this on anchor.fm. And if you're interested in creating your own podcast, um, I'd really uh, recommend that you use Anchor. You simply put your episodes on Anchor and they get submitted to Google Podcasts and, and Apple. Like this podcast is even available in the iTunes store. I was I'm happy to see that approval come in the other day, and I was actually really excited about that. But in any case, um, if you're interested in these kind of questions, then you know you're of an analytical mindset. I believe all humans are 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 geared around um, 
you know, uh, seeking knowledge. Of course we are. That's why as kids we're, we're, you know, so enthralled by stories, right? We have stories built into our genes. Um, you know, there's a very interesting um, body of work by Joseph Campbell on mythology. You may have heard of Joseph Campbell and how stories have shaped us as a race since, you know, our earliest days living in caves and whatnot. Joseph Campbell was, um, you know, practically a mentor or a guru to uh, George Lucas. And, you know, there's a series of recordings of him at, you know, Skywalker Ranch, I believe, talking about, you know, meaning and mythology. And it's like something Ron said to me, the, the distinguished 65-year-old gentleman riding his bike around Glenmore Reservoir here in Calgary, Canada, who my wife and I bumped into. Um, and I mentioned, I, I believe, on episode three. Uh, Ron said that we are pattern-seeking monkeys, and he's agnostic to say, to put it lightly, if not a not an atheist. You know, I guess atheism means you believe in nothing. Agnosticism is, as far as I understand, you believe there is something. There's something going on. You, 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 atheism is kind of like saying, well, there may be something going on. But there may not be anything going on, and this whole universe may just be random. And I personally haven't seen enough evidence to be convinced of any given position. Agnosticism, agnosticism is more of a spiritual approach, is the way I see it, where you're where you're saying, well, there's certainly something going on. Right? This universe is amazing. Life is amazing. What goes around comes around. Why does that happen? You know, it doesn't happen by itself. Like, why? Why are we tuned into stories right and things of that nature like why 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 you know why if we're asking why there has to be an answer right why do we ask why is it just an evolutionary disposition why are we so preeminent over animals in any case i digress again to be to do and to have so we've skirted past the question of of having having okay because materialism is not success this is Another reason self-help sucks, because it, it really kind of, you know, hammers home this mistaken notion that if you're materially successful, then you are successful. You know, and you can brush up on the on, on the other stuff like, you know, character and your relationship. And, you know, if you if you if you're driving a Lamborghini, then that's someone I want to listen to. That's something you hear like a motivational guy say. You know, I'm not going to listen to my broke brother-in-law living in a trailer <laughs> in Florida. You know, I'd, I'd rather listen to a guy who drives a Rolls Royce. What, what are you saying right there? Maybe your brother-in-law, you know, is a fount of wisdom and a humble, hardworking, honest man. Or maybe he's even, you know, some kind of semi-divine entity or preeminent spiritualist or something. Who knows? I mean, what, what I'm saying is that just having a Rolls Royce in and of itself means nothing. You could have been born to rich parents, right? But to have is important because you do need the basics in life. It's like Maslow's pyramid once again. Once you have your basic, you know, physical and psychological needs taken care of, you've got food, shelter, safety, and, and all of those things. 
you know, you have the luxury, let's say, of talking about these higher questions. Uh, you know, once again, majority of, of human beings compared to how they have lived billions and billions of people over, you know, hundreds and thousands of years or whatever, or at least, you know, let's say tens of thousands of years. We live like gods compared to these people. We've got all of the known knowledge of of our race in our in our pockets and and carry we're carrying it around on our phones like like it's nothing just being able to communicate and uh, instantaneously uh, you know and and travel the way we do i mean just understand like in the in, in you know for the last 50 odd years what's happened to the human race has just been an exponential uh kind of like shooting up into the stratosphere of of any any previous um generation's imagination of what we could possibly achieve as as humans i mean of course it started with the industrial revolution and and then you know uh you know steam power and machines becoming electricity and then you know radio waves and then the 20th century everything just blew up literally you know world war ii like 120 million people dead or at least 40 to 60 million people dead not to mention like hundreds of millions are you know killed by you know communism and fascism and totalitarianism and who knows like a century of destruction century of creation century of of you know you know formidable leaps in science and progress at, at on every level but where has it left us if you want ultimate proof of the fact that materialism is not the answer i'm not saying you shouldn't want a porsche if that's what drives you then that's what that's what you should go after right i mean i guess i i would love to have let's say um uh, i don't know I, I i don't know i just i don't i guess i don't think about these kinds of things right i mean for the longest time i thought i'd like to have a nice mustang gt probably for the last 10 years that's been my dream car and I don't even know if that's changed so much. I mean, would I have a Lamborghini if given the choice? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but if that's what drives you, you know, everyone would like to have a nice house. But, you know, there's nice and then there's extravagant. That's that's all I'm cautioning, right? And and I just want to say once again, the ultimate proof of the fact that materialism is not the answer is that we're the most depressed and suicidal and stressed out and neurotic and, you know, and just mental ever that our race has ever been and we've had we have exponentially more than any other previous generation so go figure poorer people are happier people poor countries are are more you know people who come from poorer countries or let's say if you go to a poor country if you go to mexico away from the tourist spots and go to like villages and stuff you'll be struck by how happy people are they work their their hats off <laughs> you know and they struggle to provide for their family and that's kind of like a blessing in disguise it's right you know idle mind is a devil's workshop in any case to have is the least important of these three components and by the way we're called human beings human beings so to be would seem to be the ultimate right so once again eric form talks about being having and doing being having and doing now i've talked about having you know last couple of episodes i've really kind of gone out um against materialism 
Um, on the one hand, of course, you need the basics, uh, basic necessities of life. And, and yes, if you appreciate fine things, you should have them. Why not? If you appreciate fine art or fine, you know, design or, you know, a nice Macintosh computer, I'm recording this. I used to have like an external mic. I like, you, you can buy really expensive mics. I created um, an online course a couple of years ago and I bought this really expensive mic. And more recently, I've acquired this beautiful uh, Macintosh computer, right? You know, where you've got the screen and the computer's built in and everything is so beautiful and ergonomic and, you know, God bless Steve Jobs. And on a side note, Steve Jobs is is such a fascinating, uh, you know, study of success for a person such as myself, conservative Muslim. Steve Jobs apparently said, I stopped believing in God when I, you know, he saw like poverty in India, let's say. And he thought to himself, how can a, how can a beneficent, loving all-powerful, omniscient creator, how can that concept of such a being ex coexist with kids starving, a kid dying of cancer? And it's like my atheist friends will say. They'll say, well, they'll say, if kids are, getting, if kids are, are starving and, and getting killed by cancer and horrible things are happening to people, especially children, because children are, are the ultimate in innocence, right? Children and animals, I suppose, all these horrible things are happening, and it's like, if there's a God, just on a side note, I, I don't want to make these talks at all religious for sure, and, and certainly not even that spiritual. I want this to be something that, you know, the success seeker in every person, whether it's a rationalist or an atheist or what have you, to a Buddhist or what have you, you know, you find some... some commonality in the questions that I'm asking and how I'm exploring these things. And of course, what I say is a reflection of my own upbringing and, and what I've absorbed over time. And so if I throw in the odd reference to the Quran or Prophet Muhammad, I also throw in references to Buddha and Nishi as well, right? So in any case, to have is not the ultimate. To be would seem to be the ultimate, right? In terms of if you can arrive at a, a state of bliss or a state of meaning or a state of faith, let's let's just put it this way. You can be happy in any situation, right? So you take someone like Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And just the story of Viktor Frankl, just like the story of Steve Jobs, right? Fascinating case study, relentless pursuit of perfection. On the one hand, you, I might as well say, and you may as well know if you don't already, Steve Jobs was a real a-hole, right? I mean, I don't know what the people around him really thought of him, to be honest. I mean, of course he was adored and hero-worshipped by those around him and the whole world in general, but there, unfortunately, was this really dark side to Steve Jobs. And I only found this out when I really got into uh, studying his biography, like, Walter Isaacson's uh, biography of the year that Steve passed away in 2012. Um, when you see Steve on stage with Bill Gates or giving a, uh, you know, a product, uh, you know, launching a new product or something, that's, that's one side of him. Or maybe that's the mellowed older side of him, especially in later years. But in his young, in his youth, he was just like, he was just, he was just, I mean, unfortunately, 
he was really intense. <laughs> you know, he would like scream and shout and swear and break down in tears in board meetings and browbeat people and just like cut you down to size. And I mean, he he had these two famous qualities. One was that he had his so-called reality distortion field. So he'd go into a room and he'd be like, what is this nonsense? Like, we need to put this thing out in six months. And his engineers and VPs and everyone's like, no, no, it's like we can't put it out at that price point in less than 12 months. We we would like 18 months. And Steve's like, no, man, six months and not blah, blah, blah. And then he'd spin his he'd spin his spell on them. He'd weave his spell. And 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 by the end of it, all of them would be nodding and agreeing with him. And then he'd leave the room <laughs> and they'd be looking at each other. They'd be like, what just happened? And it became a famous occurrence. Like he would, he had this magical ability to hold sway over large audiences. And a second thing, curious power that he had, and they called it the reality distortion field. Because when you came within his field of influence, you literally started to think, differently and the opposite to what you had previously believed uh what was reality based on factual evidence in any case other people have reported that he would bore his he'd bore into you with his eyes right you'd be sitting like if he disagreed with someone and that someone was sitting in a in, in the audience at a speech that person like sometimes would report that he was just boring into me with this intensity the same way that don juan would look at carlos castaneda right? Carlos Castaneda, the father of the new age, who many people have not even heard about, wrote a series of 10 best-selling books about his apprenticeship to the, the sage Don Juan, Don Juan. In any case, to have, to be, and to do. Okay, so having is important, but it's not the ultimate in terms of success. Being is the ultimate, because if you're in a given state of mind, call that enlightenment or bliss or certainty or faith or just having purpose, you're going to be okay. You could be in jail and, and if you're thinking, well, at least I am here but my son is okay on the outside and I sacrificed myself for him or whatever. I don't know, like a criminal kind of, uh, you know, cosa nostra type of uh, situation and you might be like, that's great. I'm happy being in jail. Every day I'm in jail is a day that my son is free or, you know, d you know, making, you know, making some great sacrifice along those lines. If there's meaning, you know, then you can, you can put up with any, any given set of circumstances. So Viktor Frankl, very quickly, last three minutes, Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor uh, in as much as he was sent to Auschwitz. He was a Jewish, uh, I believe he was also a neuroscientist like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. He was certainly a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And he made one prescient observation of his time at Auschwitz. And he ended up writing, he, he created this practice called logotherapy. Logos in Greek means meaning. Logotherapy is curing people's neuroses by helping them investigate trauma and their past and whatever stories we're telling ourselves. And as long as you can figure out some meaning, you'll be okay. So logotherapy, um, based on his observation that 
while the vast majority, 99.999% of people interned at a concentration camp with their brutal conditions, the Nazis were demons, right? You've got Dr. Death stitching people together, right? And boiling people alive, freezing people alive, marching people to death. I mean, working people to death. And then they had the temerity to write Arbeich mengt Frecht or something like that on the on the gate of Auschwitz, which, which says work makes you free. And they would literally work you to death. It was the, 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 I mean, when you think about something like concentration camps in Auschwitz and what they did to people, it's like, then you question once again, how can there be a God? And, you know, by the way, the answer to that question is, you know, atheists say, well, either God is powerless or he doesn't care, right? How can he let all this suffering take place? There may be another answer, which is simply that there is a reason which we don't know of, right? That would be that. In any case, Viktor Frankl saw that there were some people who were not crushed by their circumstances, and they became like saints in Auschwitz. And these people would go around, you know, handing out their rations and tending to the sick. And these were prisoners, right? The suffering, instead of crushing their spirit, somehow liberated them. Right. And and so that really right there is the key to the whole thing. Day to day life brings most people down and we're all depressed and neurotic and lazy and self-indulgent. But then there are those few like the Vaynerchuks and the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks who rise above the trauma of day to day life and being and become super beings. And so we're going to explore the question of being, doing and having in the, ep- the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please, uh, you know, tune in again and click like or follow. And uh, I do appreciate your time very much.